0: Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be talking to some of the incredible artisans from the series Dope Sick. We are joined today by showrunner, direct, director of episode seven and eight and executive producer Danny Strong. We have the wonderful cinematographer Checo Verise, Nick Offord, who's a sound re-recording mixer alongside Ryan Colling. Collins, who's also a sound re-recording mixer on the show, Chi Yong Chung, who's an editor of episodes three, five, and seven, and Douglas Kreis, who is an editor for episodes one and two. Um, such an amazing group. And, and Danny, I wanted to start with a question for you in the, in the way that you've approached telling this story, because I think you've done such a beautiful job at telling a very intimate portrayal of, of these characters and the different stories that you've threaded narratively throughout the series. And at the same time, you've created this really searing look at the opioid industry and this huge kind of much larger dialogue and conversation and I was interested in how you really found the balance of always driving everything forth in this this very intimate character direction where things feel incredibly grounded but also being very aware of the larger topics and dialogue that that you're creating through the show throughout as well.
1: Yeah, well, first off, thanks so much for having all of us. And it's so exciting to see this incredible group of people who I've not seen in quite a while. <laughs> Huge congratulations to everyone on all your well-deserved Emmy nominations. Uh, it's, okay. it's really cool to have us all together in the Zoom and a lot of fun for me. And Shiyun, what's what's the name of, of your dog? I feel like yeah, we need My a problem. My God,
2: plotter. Jean Lee. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, I was trying to hide her, but she's
1: very. Small, but no small. reason to hide. She can be a part of this this panel. She'll probably be a key member of the panel. <laughs> um, you know, the uh, balancing the personal and sort of the global is um, a key part of of this of the storytelling of of what we were up to, right? Which was telling the story of the opioid crisis um, from the ground floor to the halls of the Justice Department, getting into the macro politics that caused this and and the micro personal stories of the victims of the lies and the deception of Purdue's um, marketing techniques, but then also discussing personal issues of of addiction and how we can, we take these drugs sometimes to, to numb our personal pain as well. Um, so it's not, there's, you know, I didn't want it to be two-dimensional or easy or simple or, you know, because addiction is a very complicated subject matter and the business of addiction and the business of these drugs is extremely complicated. So the challenge was how do you tell all these intertwining stories in a way where it can work as entertainment, where it can function as a, as a dynamic piece of drama that people want to watch, um, I did a podcast yesterday where the person, uh, the host, said he didn't want to watch the show, but his parents talked him into it and said, "No, it's really great. You have to watch it." Well, if the show's not really great, his parents aren't going to talk him into it, right? So there's 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 a buy-in there. There's there's a or, or or an obstacle, which is that it's dark subject matter, and we all of us collectively on this Zoom, we have to overcome that that obstacle. Um, by creating a, a, a piece of vibrant, exciting entertainment. And so that was also why I framed the show around two investigations, because that's an exciting genre. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mystery. It's a detective story. Um, and, and that's something that an audience can grasp onto and create entertainment value for them. While simultaneously all the other stories that we're talking about here, the tragedy of addiction, this out of control criminal company, can then splinter off from this foundation, which is a, uh, which is a, a popular genre.
0: And then coming over to you, Checo, and talking about the cinematography of the show, I was interested, you know, with with what Danny was saying about the fact that it is interweaving all of these different strands and and storylines. And the visual aspects of each are so distinctive and and each storyline kind of has its own look and feel to it. Um, And I was interested in that early dynamic in in making the series, in working alongside Danny and then also Barry Levison, who was directing the first couple of episodes, in really figuring out what are going to be the distinctive elements that are going to, you know, create a linear feel amongst all of these story threads, but also the ways in which we want to use camera movement, shot placement, you know, lenses and color to kind of have slightly different looks and feels to each of these stories that we're going through.
3: Well, one of the biggest challenges of of working in DOPSIC was the fact that it is a real story. So these characters that exist, it's my cousin, your cousin actually, your brother, your sister. How do you make that palatable? How do you make that interesting without putting a filter of surrealness on it? So we had to be as as, as clearly documentary as possible without doing a documentary because it's not a documentary, it's an entertainment piece like Danny very wisely said. And it was extremely complex to, to <clears throat> force myself and all of us to not say, okay, let's do this very cool camera move because it's gonna be great and it's gonna be fantastic. And No, this is about people. This is about somebody's soul. This is about somebody's death. This is somebody's mourning this is somebody's shareholder very happy because he made a fortune killing people adding to the killing of people um so it was it was a very tricky balance and and I have to say Danny was always there to sort of make sure I wasn't carried away with this wonderful camera moves that didn't mean anything you know and uh and we were surrounded by, by a crew of wonderful, wonderful professionals. And the, the most important thing that I have to say is that every single member of the crew had a cousin, a brother, a sister. This was very important for them. To me, I'm not from, you may gather from my accent, I'm not, I'm not from the United States. And this is a very unique American problem. I mean, Brazil has other issues. You know, Manila has other issues. Mexico has other issues. The United States has this issue, which is you trust your priest, your your whatever, and you trust your doctor. You go to your doctor and the doctor gives you this. And then after that, you get addicted and you most likely get really addicted. How to portray that in a very grounded way yet being entertaining and yet being fascinating and yet being a mystery and being a thriller and being an action sequence. Some sequences that are action, some sequences that are pure drama, some sequences that are, you know, like a legal drama. So that was a very complex thing. And I think, I think with the help of Barry and Michael Cuesta and Patricia Regan and Danny, the four directors that I got the pleasure to work with, We pulled off, and the editors, and everybody else, and my grandmother. We did something that still keeps you wanting to watch it more, but it means something for whoever had something like that. I don't know if I answered the question. I went all over
0: (laughs) I really, really love all of those details, and you know, Nick and Ryan, you you also have this similar task. And, and when you when you listen to the sound design on each of these stories, there's distinctive elements because obviously, the fabric and makeup of of s- several scenes in a conference room is going to be very different to kind of what are the sounds and and what's that feel and ambiance that you want the audience to feel in in a rural kind of coal m- mining town. Um, and so, what what did you find in the mix with some of the really distinctive elements that you found yourself bringing? the foreground a lot more in certain storylines
4: yeah um you know like like i said before we really wanted to make it feel you know real i mean tell these people stories and connect with people in the small town and and feel like you're there um you know while not stepping on any of the incredible performances so that was a very conscious effort on our end you know just to support everything that's happening on the screen um you know and also we made it made a decision early on too to follow the storylines with some sound design. And Ryan can talk a little bit about that too. Is is follow the arc of some of the characters to make it a little bit more interesting and a little bit more impactful and real as the story goes on.
5: Yeah, I think one one of the greatest things about this show is that you really early on fall in love with these characters, right? Like for us, I mean Dr. Finn it was it was such an amazing role, I and mean, Michael King was so good in it. And so we, from a sound design perspective, we really wanted to establish that his life before addiction and what that was like, you know, and the sounds of the town, you know, we would play birds and wildlife and just really play up those atmospheres. But, you know, about halfway through the season when we start to see this turn into addiction, all those sounds slowly get muted and, and more isolating and sort of, we just follow that arc of him, his sort of, you know his his demise with addiction and, and 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 all that. So that was a bit I mean I think it sort of happened subconsciously because it just really it worked with the visuals but then it's like okay this this idea we need to really make make
4: Yeah work. following his arc with you know as his life deteriorates the sounds around him deteriorate and and the quality of life diminishes so we wanted to make sure that you're really feeling that again you know in in a subtle way without stepping on any of the performance or anything and the score that Lauren both Balf- did uh, was incredible too and and getting that emotional connection like with betsy and the scenes with her family and what she's going through i mean it was it's very very powerful stuff so
5: and it was great about the score and i know we were always on the stage, and danny was sort of guiding us through how to place these scores in the in the in the room and it's like it was never like let's let's play this really loud so everyone knows how to feel it's like we don't want to step on these performances because yeah. we feel what our what our characters are feeling. And so the score was just there to support um, the performances.
0: I really love that. And then in talking about the editing with you, Douglas and Chiyun, um, you know, again, kind of similarly to what Danny was saying at the beginning about, you know, really finding the voice and the tone in how do you tell all these different types of stories in one piece and, and with that approach, I was interested in in how that kind of came over into the edit room on a lot of the episodes when you first came on board and you first started getting footage and putting together those early rough cuts and just really trying to figure out what does, what does the voice and the tone of these episodes need to be and what's kind of the specific pacing and rhythm of, of the way that we're moving between these wow. different storylines and these different kind of thematic elements of the narrative?
6: Um, Well, I would say, you know, um, one of the nice things about working on a project like this, you, you're lucky to have a great director and you're lucky to have good writing and everything and great performances. And that makes my job so much easier. So, but there's a, there's a thing that you like in like episode one, we, you know, the story was, we, we put it together pretty much how it was written and 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 there was always the, the concern about jumping between the different timelines and how to how to work that in. And, you know, and I think Danny came up with a great device of doing the scrolling dates. And uh, one thing that Barry influenced me to try to in the opening episode was when um, it wasn't written quite like this. But when Dr. Phoenix goes into the church and he's greeting all the people in the church and talking to them, we're cutting back to him sitting on the court bench. And remembering this and as opposed to just how it was originally written, where it was like kind of like we see the church scene and then we go back to the courtroom. So we interlaced it so that it's plays it in his mind and he's reliving the horror of what he went through.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great idea. I-, I loved it when when the when I saw that, when they set the first cut. I just thought,
0: wow, that was terrific. Yeah. And for you, Tian.
2: That was actually, I was like, that's one of my favorite scenes. And there's a couple of scenes that really stick with me. And um, that scene that Doug um, co- um, in episode one was, I remember seeing it and just being super blown away. I'm very sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But um, for me, it was uh, it was that whole uh, keeping all the threads alive. Um, I, I don't know if we rearranged all that much stuff, Danny. It was for my episodes. Um, I, I don't feel like we uh, did as much um, rearranging um, in uh, in in my episodes. But what um, what uh, one thing that uh, Danny did sort of. Um, Uh, happened early on for us was that we had these courtroom scenes that weren't quite working and um, Danny's like why don't we actually do snippets from earlier episodes or um, from websites that illustrate what they're talking about so um, what ended up happening is that we intercut some um, footage from episodes one and two and then also some um, stock and some um, some stuff that graphics made up and it really like um, made that sort of procedural scene kind of come alive. You sort of you sort of kept all the threads running. And that's one of the examples that I can think of that was um, like, uh, it sort of ran through, it started running through the series when you get to this procedural thing and you can't quite remember exactly what happened. There's these snippets of images. You're like, oh yeah, I remember that. Um, that really helped, I think, um, keep all the sort of story threads um, alive
0: absolutely and i loved what what ryan was saying in terms of of the sound design with michael keaton's character and just as he goes on this journey into addiction the way that the isolation is created through the use of sound and there's so many other ways that, that we start to really feel that isolation and separation from everybody around him in terms of, of the visual language, in terms of the way that story is kind of paced out differently once he kind of goes through that, that phrase. And so I was interested for all of you in, you know, particularly thinking about that as, as a structural arc, kind of how you started to make different creative choices as his storyline progressed as a character and in, in the way that you wanted to tell that story on screen.
2: Editorially, you mean?
0: Yeah, I mean for any for any of you that that kind of had any any different choices that you were making in the way that you wanted to tell that arc.
3: Mm. Mm. Echo, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> when you grab something as vast as Dobson, which is Danny, correct me, fifteen years, eighteen years of story, you know, nineteen ninety four. Yeah, about eleven or all the way. To two thousand six, yeah, yeah. So when you grab something that large, I rented a little apartment, you know, and I got some little cards, cue cards, you know, and I started creating a wall with post-its and I started creating an arc until the owner came and said, "What is that?" And I said, "Don't worry, I'll paint the wall." Uh, so I create this massive, massive little stickers of okay, what happens with Dr. Phoenix? You know, because you as a cinematographer, you have to know what happens to him. You don't know what eight o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday what's happening, where is he coming from, where is he going? Danny knows, but I didn't. So I had to create that. And you follow the arc of the character and you follow the arc of of the little minor daughter, the father and the mother and the tragedy have But but you have to start somewhere. And each character is so rich in what they live and what they do that as a cinematographer, you have to somehow pay homage to that. So, you know, the little town was, you know, blue and sort of cold and gray. We were lucky or unlucky. Uh, It snowed, so it's wonderful, it's beautiful, it's cold, freezing, horrible. You know, it's like 24 degrees below zero to work. But it would look amazing. I didn't do much. You just get some Northern line through the windows and that's what the characters have, you know you go to what I call the civil servants, you know, the, 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 the characters of the prosecutors and, and, and the DEA and the people that have a, like a decent salary, you know, but they're not the Purdue Pharma, they, they have a salary and you have to create their art. So I had this wall of like tape and it looked like a, like a crime scene, you know, with like little red things and blue things all over the place. And I remember one night looking at it and getting absolutely completely overwhelmed. Because I'm like, what am I doing? Am I? I'm not able to do this. I'm not able to pull this off. You know. I went to sleep. I had espresso in the morning, and I said, "Okay, let's go and do it." You know. And with the help of all my friends and all my colleagues and Danny, and my directors, I think we pull it off. Mm-hmm. You, know, you you have the characters that have a life or a or a death or or whatever, and and you follow their true line you follow their spirits you follow their souls and if you're true to that with the sound with the the cuts with the writing with the camera moves or not moves you know most likely you don't move the camera because there is no reason to move it. they come alive and the performance are extraordinary if you if i don't mess with it i did my job mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, you've got this uh, along the lines of what Checo's saying. You, you, there's the macro, and then you deliver that macro scene by scene. And the foundation of it, it's all sketched out in the script. And, or in the scripts. And then, you know, you go to shoot it, and you go to post, and you're really trying to deliver that potential of, of what the script is laid out. And if the script's not good, you're in a lot of trouble. It's hard to make uh, a bad script work in, in, in posts. It's funny on set. Sometimes you can convince yourself like it's going great. This is great. And then you get in post and you're like, oh yeah, those script problems, there's still problems. Uh, but I'm also very, um, when I get into post, I'm very, I'm not, it's not about sticking to the scripts. It's not about the words and the writing. It's about making the story work even better than it worked before. I kind of view post as, as, um, as just we're writing again, but now we're writing with footage. Uh, and, and, it, and, and so I'm very open to, to big changes, small changes, reordering. I'm, I'm not precious at all. I will cut scenes, sometimes ruthlessly, sometimes too fast. Um, but it's really about how to make how to make these episodes work as well as they can Um, and and you just roll up your sleeves and you get into it and you get lucky that you've got two great editors and we had a third editor Matt Barber who also was a wonderful element of the team I mean I had three incredible editors on the show right so all three of us worked together to to you know try to deliver these these episodes as good as we can and then you get into you know what i view as sort of the the final uh the 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 frosting on the cake which is which is sound and it's like your last shot right at making this all work and and these guys did you, you know just fantastic work just hearing them talk about you know what they did with phoenix's character right and removing sound as the as the the journey continued and he and he propelled further into darkness of addiction. And we're trying to do, we're all trying to do that. Everyone here on the Zoom are, are trying to do that every step of the way with all of these characters and all of these storylines. Uh, and I'm so glad, um, uh, Nick, did you bring up Warren or Ryan? So whoever yeah. brought up Lauren,
4: yeah, Lauren, yeah.
1: the score is incredible. It's an incredible. incredible score and it is such a rich score. Uh, and, and it's a, such a powerful score for something that is also pretty subtle, yeah. uh, not trying to be noticed, uh, and there's 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 a soulfulness with a few of the melodies that can play as a tragedy or that can play even in the thriller storyline at times. I, I mean, I was in awe of of Warren and in, in what he did musically, and and it's those two final, you know, that's like your final shot at like trying to not make it work, but to to mine as much emotion and depth. As you can in the process. And, you know, I'm pretty, I think I'm a pretty calm person on set and pretty calm in post. And then when when I'm in that mixing stage, that's when I'm a little less calm. You were <laughs> calm. You were know? calm. You're yeah. yeah. you great. But it's that final moment. I have a tension in the mixing stage that I I don't necessarily have on set because uh, it's the end of the road. You know, it, this yeah. is it. And then we're all done. And you know, when you do a final mix, especially on an episode of television, you're there one day, and that's it. It's a it's pretty crazy. Uh, process so so it's like just like the last shot at trying to make all of this work uh, as well as you can and what's what's incredible about this process is how many wonderful artists are involved to make this work right I mean the people here on the Zoom are they're the best of the best the to have the jobs they have there's thousands of people that would want to have their job. Same with the costume designer, the production designer, you know, all the designers and, and the actors, just every, every, there's just all of these wonderful artists. And it's actually my favorite part of being a showrunner or a director um, is to sort of be like in charge of a group of incredible artists. And, and I love artists and it's fun and I want, and I want them to have fun and I want us to all just kind of come together uh, to to try to make this work, and and that that's one of my favorite parts of the whole thing is just all of these talented people, uh, all working together in service of of trying to get the story to work.
0: Absolutely, and and Nick and Ryan kind of coming back to the sound a little bit based off what what Danny was saying about you know capturing that that emotional hit Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about some of the intricacies with the scene where we see Caitlin Diva's character Betsy in the mine getting injured because I think there's there's such a delicate balance in that scene because we don't yet know the full extent of where her journey is going to go following it but it's such a crucial moment for that character and it's also early in the show and so the audience is kind of still building and developing that emotional connectivity to her as a character and so with a certain intricacies that came with a lot of the sound balance. That you needed to pull into that particular moment.
4: Yeah, that 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 moment was. I mean, it's one of the most dynamic moments of the show. I think is when that when that happens. Um, we we were working a lot with trying to figure out the you know the emotional balance with the music as far and how that's going to work with the explosion in the mine. Um, I mean, you could probably talk yeah, more about yeah, the I explosion. Think, you know, I, I
5: think there at one point that scene was kind of scored all the way through and and we played with this idea of okay let's start it out in reality right we're in the mind we have all real um real sounds and then once the chaos of the the explosion happens that's when we sort of duck out of like the real sounds and then the score takes us over with betsy and it's sort of an an more emotional emotional feel
4: yeah we you know once there's a kind of we mixed it in atmos so in the room it was really cool because we were able to place explosions above our heads you know and you could really kind of feel the environment of the cave and and the claustrophobic nature of it um so once you kind of started to feel that rumble we were sneaking in little tension score and and kind of building up what's happening and then as as the chaos starts to happen um you know we we found it, Ryan and I found a nice place to kind of get out of the score and let the impact of the explosion really hit. So you could hear her hitting the hitting her back on the on the machine and 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 it just the way that we sculpted it with with using the uh music for emotion and tension and then getting out of it and letting the letting the design take over I think was really impactful.
5: Yeah I think a lot what a lot of people don't understand about mixing it's is it's it's very subtractive. You have all this stuff, right? And it's like well we can't play it all. We can't all play loud and proud um so you need to pick moments and where do you what do you want the focus to be do you want it to be on the reality of what's happening or do you want it to be in, in, or more more emotionally driven by the music so that throughout the whole series that was th- something that we sort of played with but that's scene in particular we, we really we're proud of the way that yeah.
0: yeah i love that and and with the editing you know Chi and i've heard you kind of mention that part of your process is you know, when you first get the footage, just kind of putting everything together and starting to, to put together a rough cut, you know, just very quickly. Um, and so for you and Douglas, I was interested in kind of when you first get that footage and you start creating those rough cuts, kind of what's your process for then going through and and kind of starting to just really fill out a lot of the scenes that, that you want to kind of step into finessing and just really figuring out the intricacies of each of these moments, especially for a show like this, where there are so many scenes in every single individual episode. And like you were talking about before, you're kind of jumping back and forth between between these different tones throughout.
6: I'm I'm I I used to when I first started cutting things as a, in my career, I always loved the rough cut. I always like went dove right in and was like, I'm looking at me chopping this together. And now I kind of agonize more. Now I like I don't want to just chop it together and have it be horrible. But sometimes that's the best way to do it because I I have to struggle sometimes to just put stuff together. Once I got it together then it's more fun. It's just kind of like, I've, I've built something, now I can tear it apart. And, and sometimes it's fun to let an assistant assemble something for that reason, because I can immediately see what they did wrong. So, as opposed to if I would have done it. And then it was like, so I kind of like tend to, if I can have my druthers is I'll slap, I'll say I'll get five scenes in one day, I'll slap them together in an hour and they'll be horrible. And they will be, you know, words cut off, everything else. But then I go back and I'll work on them and I'll get them pretty good by the end of the day but then the next morning I will go back and I'll work on them again before I start the new stuff because I I want to see them the next day in a clearer light and and play with them some more and and I like to have that luxury when I can and it's just sort of a the process I prefer cuz then I can then I can start like playing music and things like that even too and one of the advantages we had on the show is Lauren gave us like samples of music to work with from the very beginning. So we had basically I uh, music ideas from the very beginning that I got to put in. And I tried my best to use just his music, sometimes maybe to my detriment, because I would like, you know, this maybe this piece needs something that he hasn't supplied me, but I wanted to try to use what he's provided just to like keep that tone and keep that sound for that music throughout the whole process. So, and, and I'll that, let you know that was
1: amazing. Uh, just to th- toss in on that, Lauren sending music before and to not temp with with yeah, temp right. tracks yeah. because there's that moment when you switch from temp to your own score that is one of the scariest, most painful <laughs> moments of the entire process, mm-hmm. because yeah. you're so used to the temp and the temp is like Desplat and Williams and all these great composers who've, who've gone through the process themselves, right? So now you're starting from scratch uh, and it's a terrifying moment. And so to have music before that, that you're using uh, is, was, was, was just huge uh, and in a wonderful way to work. So sorry, Shiyun.
2: No, I was, I, I was uh, unbelievable. We got like, we got like three minute pieces that we've all like kind of uh, that we rearranged to, for all these different scenes. It was really, um, it was really helpful and wonderful um, for him to do that. Um, for me, it's funny because Doug was like, oh, I'd like to, um, I, Cutting something in like a whole bunch of stuff in an hour makes me go, oh my god, I'm so slow. Um, uh, But uh, I, I'm a little bit more um, OCD, and then I like to look at everything. Um, Sometimes I go backwards, forwards, in takes. because then uh, usually when you know they've they, I feel like when people move on to uh, the next setup, they they're like, oh, we got it, we're gonna move on. So I go backwards sometimes, but I like to look at everything because I like to see what the evolution of um, what goes on on set is. and then um, I'll, I'll, I will try to cut the scenes as best as I can. Um, and then I will put it away like Doug does um, for, you know, I don't do it the next morning. I try to give it a couple of days because you go back a couple of days and you're like, Oh, that's weird. Um, and then you go back into the footage and you start mining for, um, for stuff that that'll work. And also when other things come in, it gives you a better perspective sometimes. And then something you've cut and you're like, you Know what this happens later? I don't think that's going to work in the um, you know, earlier, so then you go back with that in mind. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I, I like to go through everything, and I also just it gives me a sense of what's going on on set. Like, you can tell when people are getting tired, or sometimes you can't tell, you're like, oh, this seems pretty good, and they're like, oh my god, it was the end of the night, we're just trying to get out of there. And I was like, oh, that totally worked, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I really like, uh, I really like like looking through everything at the very beginning.
6: Yeah, well, I, I do the same thing. I do watch everything. I will let Danny know. Oh, I, do I was, like, I was,
2: like, I was but, like, oh my God, are you just like- No, reading? no, no.
6: I watch everything before I start.
2: But, oh, okay. But,
6: but the uh, one thing I was going to say, I once worked with a director who, when I was working on his cut, obsessed about he had to have every scene perfect before we would go on to the next scene. Someday he, he, one day he kept me on a scene for two days and I'm like, can we please move on? and and that's the way i you know danny's one of the great things he he's not, he's not like that thank god and it's like it's like you work on a scene and you and you move on to the next one and you go on to the next one you go on to the next one you do your changes your little changes here and there and then you can see the big picture again cuz it's always about looking at the big picture and then you know that that scene i worked on in scene 2 needs to change because the way it cuts to the scene 3 and scene you know they don't go together with the you know of how they were assembled so they have to be changed So I love the way Danny worked, the way Barry works, where it's kind of like, you know, they're very fast. They'll go through. He gives me a lot of notes and does it very quickly and says, okay, you go work on it and then get, get me back on the Evercast. Let me see it. And, um, it's a, it's a great way to work.
4: Can I add to about going back to the uh, temp score, you know, that when you guys get temp score that early, you know, that trickles all the way down the line to us. So, you know, when we get to the mix stage, um, you know, like for Danny, you're, you're so comfortable with the score already. And, you know, considering we only have a day with you, you know, that really helps us dig into other things that we would like to, to get into. So, you know, I don't know if Lauren realizes how much of a help that is all the way down to our end too, you know, so it really helps move things along for us and gives us kind of a a head up time-wise with you in the room so we can make sure everything else is sitting the way that you know you want
5: it and we have accurate material to work against so when yeah. we're mixing the temp it's like well this is it's going to come to us better but it's the real it's the yeah. real material so we know how, how we're going to mix around it
0: yeah i really the love
1: that thing is um when I, I when i'm in the mixing stage and then and i'm so sensitive to music and sound as, as you all know i get obsessive about it and then all of a sudden there's score and there's uh, there's just a new instrument in the track <laughs> that I've never heard before. Yeah. Where, where the fuck did this violin, come? <laughs> what is going, what is going on here? And then I start to like lose my mind. Cause I think I'm But am I going crazy? Yeah. Uh, and they'll just be like, like, you know, someone will make just some last second change. That's never been in a cut, uh, going through the music. And, and it's, and it's, uh, it's always very disconcerting, um, yeah. when it happens, but, um, it's just, but it's wild. Like, like what, what, what is that, Nick Ryan? Have
4: you yeah, experienced I, that a lot? I don't, I don't know, but I do know that there was a couple of times where you would hear something and you'd say, <laughs> "What is that?" and there's the, and you'd say, but, "But I don't hate it." Yeah, <laughs> but I don't
1: hate it. <laughs> well, I <laughs> wanted to be warm, you know, <laughs> and, and it would be because it would be like because it was a, it would jolt me because I hadn't heard it before. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's like okay, it's not uh, maybe this is a better version than what it was, but it's new to me and it's a. Uh, and it's, and it's unsettling. And then it takes me, you know, and then I listen to it a few times and it's like, no, yeah. it's actually better. Yeah. But, but we'll listen to both versions and then make sure. it. The
4: oh yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of it. Of, yeah. of having everything split is that we can, you know, manipulate any way we want, but, but yeah, I, I do remember a couple of times it was for you, you know, I don't hate it. That <laughs> was great.
1: Sometimes I did. Not, but you were very open you're very open Danny. yes we appreciate of course. it that's the yeah. process
5: yeah.
2: it's never personal danny we know that
0: yeah <laughs> well I'm, I'm so genuinely in awe of, of the incredible work that you've all done on this series alongside the rest of the team that that you created it with so congratulations on everything with the show and thank you so much for talking about it really really appreciate it
4: thank you so much thank you thank, thank you, you.